0: Oh, Lord, we ask that you would help us to delight in your word, to delight in your commands because we love them. Oh, kindle in our hearts this morning a love for your voice. May we not view your commands as burdensome, but, Lord, instead we pray that we would delight in them, that they would be a joy to us to know what it is you would have us do and to feed upon your word more richly day by day. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, we're coming to the close of the prophecy of Amos. We've been looking at Amos and his different prophecies against the land of Israel. He was one of the prophets who came up from Judah to Israel to condemn the people up there, particularly for their immoral acts against one another and the way that they had been committing acts of injustice against the poor in the land. And so again and again, Amos has been pointing out the way that the Israelites are going to be punished by the Lord for their injustice towards one another. There is an upper class who are very rich and uh, are taking advantage of others, and then you've got the poorer people. And you see even there, there's this condemnation in chapter 8 of such injustice towards others. You see that they're not interested in the religious aspects of worshipping God, but they're interested in making money in verse 8 uh, chapter 8 verse 5 chapter 8 verse 5 they say when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the sabbath be ended that we may market wheat they're very interested in making money not worshiping god yes they'll go through the motions but ultimately, they're interested in making money. And the way they want to make money is by taking advantage of the poor. And you see that as it, verse 5 continues. It says, when we, that we may market wheat. And then it says, skimping the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales. They Actually, bump the price up. And they use dishonest scales uh, so that they can get more for their money. And then they buy the poor with silver, it says in verse 6, and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. They add things in and then charge, add basically dirt in, and charge people for buying dirt when they're meant to be paying for wheat instead. And so God continues to say that they will be judged for what they're doing and he gives a number of judgments there in the following verses but this morning i want to particularly look at one judgment that amos gives from the lord and that is in verses 11 and 12 god says that he's going to send a famine upon the people of israel for their immorality for their disobedience to his law and what is that famine well it's not a normal famine And we read of that in verse 11. It says, The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. He's going to send a famine, but it's not your normal famine. It's a famine of God's word. And we see the results of it in verse 12. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. God will remove his word from that land, which fits the punishment fits the crime, really, when you see what Amaziah was saying to Amos back in chapter 7, which we looked at last week. He says, go back, go away. And what does God say here in chapter 8? He says, I will send a famine where you won't be able to find my word anymore. You will want to hear from me, but you will not be able to do so. And this is one of the worst punishments that God can inflict upon people, is to take away his word altogether. Why is that? Well, I think the idea of a famine helps illustrate how terrible it is for God to take away his word. The trouble is, for our society... We don't experience famines, really. I've never experienced a famine here in Australia. We're just too blessed. And if there is a drought in our land, well, we source the food from somewhere else. And our government supports us (coughs) in some way to be able to survive the famine that may come. We are experiencing droughts in in parts of New South Wales. But food's still available, and people still have money to purchase it. We just don't understand the devastating effects of a famine. It's a good illustration for the removal of God's word. But we just don't understand it. Whereas the people of Israel did. We read again and again, if you read the history of Israel in the Old Testament, you read of the famines that swept through and the kinds of things that people were forced to do. I was actually going to have a passage read out from the Old Testament, I was going to read it out now, about what some people would do to their own children. And I realized children are present here today and it's probably not the nicest of things for them to hear. It's awful what famines would do to parents the way that it would change their minds, the severe hunger that they would have and what they would actually end up doing. And so I thought it would be helpful for us if we were to really understand this judgment of God that he inflicts upon the people of Israel and how terrible it is for God to take away his word, that we really need to understand a little bit more about what it means to starve. What it means to lack food altogether. And so to help us to understand it, I thought I'd look up the phases of starvation and describe them to you as described by a website called disabledworld.com, which claims to be an independent health and disability news source. It goes through the stages of starvation. Once you cut off food from someone, what actually happens to that person? Well, initially, fat stores are broken down and everything seems okay. So... We are very blessed and designed by God that we can store food on our bodies in terms of fat. And so if you cut food off, well, at first it's not so bad. In fact, it may even be a good thing if you want to lose a bit of weight, that the fat stores are broken down. But they are limited, and eventually the fat goes. And so what happens then? Well, the body starts breaking down proteins. And what's a good source of protein in the body? Well, it's muscles. It starts breaking down the muscles. And once the muscles are depleted, once you start to wither and your muscle mass drops, what does the body go after for food after that? Well, it goes after the proteins that are essential for cell function. And so cells start to actually degenerate themselves. What happens after that then? Well, you start to not look so good. Maybe at first you looked a bit better as you slimmed down. But once your muscles start to go, you start to look withered. And bloating of the abdomen can happen, but as the cells start to not be able to function properly anymore because proteins are being broken down from cell function so that they can't actually operate anymore, well, your skin starts to go flaky. Your hair starts to change colour, and you start to stagger around. You haven't got the resources. You haven't got the muscle mass to be able to walk. You haven't got the energy to actually use the muscles that you do have. And so you start to look like you're really struggling by the exterior of the way that you look, but also the way that you walk, the way that you move. And then, of course, there's psychological changes that happen as you start to starve. At first, there's the pain, and so often there's irritability. If you even miss lunch, you may know a bit about this, as you feel the hunger there and you just get irritable with those around you. But after time goes on and starvation continues, well, you start to become apathetic. You start to withdraw, and there's a listlessness about the person. They don't really care much about anything anymore, and they just don't have the energy to do anything. And then, what happens? Well, your immune system starts to really take a toll. It starts to have—it's broken down. It's ravaged from the deficiency of minerals and vitamins that it needs to function. And so, what happens? Well, you can't fight off the diseases that come along—diseases you never struggled with before suddenly manifest themselves in you. And you may actually die from those diseases. You don't die from starvation particularly, but you die because your immune system is so weakened that these diseases are able to kill you. And then what really happens is you start to not be able to consume food any longer, that your body can't digest what is put down. You can't actually survive any longer from eating food Uh, You have a disinterest in food gradually, but then, of course, you can't eat what you need. And once all the muscle mass and tissues are exhausted, they're finite resources that you have in your body, once they're all exhausted, well, death results, mostly from heart failure by tissue degradation or electrolyte imbalance. Death results from starvation. So now that we've seen what the famine of food does, I think we can understand a little bit more the seriousness of the famine of God's word. What it looks like if God takes his word away from people. What does it look like? What's going to happen to the person? Well, at first your fat reserves may kick in. You may have a bit of God's word stored up in your mind and you think, oh, yeah, I can still fight sin. I can still fight the evil one with what's gotten up in my mind. I'm going to be a good person still, even though I don't have God's word. You've still got a bit in reserve somewhere. But it, gradually that store goes and you're going to have to start to rely on other ways of fighting sin and fighting the evil one. What other ways do we often re- resort to if we don't have God's word and we want to be a good person, we want to do right, or well, we resort to relying on our habits, that we're generally a pretty good person and we don't do that kind of thing, And so we have this resolve in ourselves, a habit that we have. We've done it for years. We've done the right thing. And so we rely on just always doing the right thing out of habit. Or we rely on our conscience to govern how we're going to fight sin. Or we rely on self-help books or even societal norms. We rely on the society to help us to understand what is right and what is wrong so that we can do what is right. But the trouble with these things are they are finite resources, just like proteins in the body. They're okay for a time, but eventually they run out. And the thing about all these things, habits, conscience, self-help books and societal norms, they change. They modify. What is right for one culture is different for another. And even a culture that we live in, it can change over time. Your conscience can become deadened to a particular sin. The self-help books that seem to be able to give you some way of fighting sin in your life. They can change too in their advice and they can say that something was wrong in the past but now it's, it's right and good for you to do that. And your habits change and degrade as well. Good habits die off, bad habits begin. As the word of God is taken away and we rely on these other things to fight sin, we see that they only help us do what is right for a limited time. And what happens next then? Well, you no longer look so good. Remember what happens when you cut yourself cut off from food and you, you're trying to use other resources to keep yourself alive? You start to not look so good. And this is the case for those who have the word of God withdrawn from them. They may look very good exterior uh, in their exterior. Their physical appearance looks great. But then they open their mouths and you hear the way they speak. They're like the handsome actors or pretty actresses And they look wonderful, but then you hear about the way that they live their lives off screen. And they look good on the outside, but you know that the word of God isn't making much of an impact in their lives by the way that they speak. I have a friend who um, is very, he loves movies, uh, loves uh, working out uh, how they make movies. He loves to direct some small movies of his own. Uh, But there's one particular actor that's very prominent in the world, very well known, And he says, I will not watch any films that he is in. doesn't matter how critically acclaimed that actor is, how critically acclaimed the the film is. He says, I will not watch it because I have a friend who went to school with that guy. And (laughs) he's a piece of work. Even though he looks good, acts well, when he opens his mouth, you see that there's this other side to him. And that's what happens if you cut yourself off from the word of God. You don't look so good anymore. You may look good on the outside, but as soon as you open your mouth, you don't look so good to other people. You're not attractive to other people, and you, of course, are not attractive to God because you're no longer governed by his word. And, of course, what also happens is that there's an apathy and a withdrawal and a listlessness when it comes to fighting sin as well. If you withdraw the word of God from people's lives, they're not so interested in fighting sin any longer. They're apathetic about sin. They have no desire to actually take up arms against the evils of this world because the word of God is no longer encouraging them to do so. And then what also happens when you starve? We saw that the immune system drops. And that happens as you see someone who the word of God is taken away from them. What happens? Fresh sins that they never struggled with before suddenly emerge in their lives. Old sins are still there and still they've got to bash away at them but there's fresh sins that they never struggled with that suddenly appear just as in a person who's starving from food suddenly struggles with different diseases that they've never needed to worry about before because their immune system has degraded your immune system degrades against sin if you lose the word of god you certainly won't be able to do what the lord jesus did as Satan comes along to him and tempts him. What did what happened in Luke chapter 4, which we just had read for us? What does Jesus do as Satan comes with fresh assaults upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus quotes scripture at him. The word of the Lord. Jesus is not in a famine of the word of the Lord, and so he's able to administer the word of the Lord to Satan and fight Satan off. But if you have the word of the Lord withdrawn from you, if you're in a famine of it, well, you can't fight Satan off with his fresh attacks, attacks that you've never seen before, but he's able to succeed against you. And some of those attacks may even kill you. There are certain sins in this world which speed up your life very quickly and bring an end to it. And you may never have thought you'd go and do what leads to death, but you end up, find yourself doing it. Why? Because the word of God has been withdrawn from your life. And then eventually, your ability to consume scripture drops As you're no longer used to it. Remember, as someone starves to death, there comes a time where their body just can't digest the the food that's given to them anymore. They go to a point where it's a point of no return. And that can happen with people as the word of God is taken from them. When they try to eat the word of God, when they try to digest it, they vomit it straight back up. When they get something down, they can't digest it. It makes no impact upon their life. You feed them a Bible verse and they They take it in, they understand it, but it makes no impact because they've been so long without the word of God. They may stagger from place to place looking for God's word. As it says there in verse 12, it says, Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. People will do this. They go from one place of worship to another. They go from one cult to another looking for the word of God, wanting a revelation from God, and they can't find it because they can no longer discern what is the word of God, because the word of God has been withdrawn from them for so long, so they no longer know what is right and what is wrong, what is a word from the Lord and what is not a word from the Lord. They can't tell that the New World Translation by the Jehovah's Witnesses is a bad translation, because the word of God has been absent from their life for so long. I'm reading a book at the moment about spiritism, and it's actually a novel by someone who did get very much involved in spiritism, And this describes these people that are hungry for something from the other side, some revelation from God. And they talk about God all the time, the Holy One. But they're hungry for a word from God from the other side, from these spirits that take over, embody people. And they can't discern that that's false religion. They think it's true and good to listen to such spirits. They don't test them by the word of God because they've been without the word of God. They've been in a famine for so long. But they can't test such things. And the worst case of this, when people can't digest the word of God, is seen on a deathbed. Some people put off looking at God's word all their lives. They say, oh, not interested, not interested, not interested, I don't want to read the Bible. And then at the deathbed, what happens? Some kind saint comes along with the scriptures, maybe a minister, maybe another family member, maybe a friend, and tries to tell them of the good news of Jesus Christ. Tells them if if they repent of their sins and believe in the Lord's name, they will be saved. And they've got no ears to hear it. They can't digest it. Their mind may be so far gone that they can't understand it, but even if their mind isn't gone, they just don't get it anymore because they've been without the word of the Lord for so long. They just can't digest it anymore. Just as a person who's starved from food goes past a point of no return, so that person has gone past a point of no return. And it's one of the saddest things to see. Someone who's put off the word of the Lord for all their life. And then at the end where they may actually be hungry for it, they may want to hear and they just can't get it. They just cannot understand it. And what happens next if you are starved from the word of God? Well, eventually you're lost altogether as you pass into hell. Because it's through this book that we know the words of eternal life. It is only through this book that the words of eternal life are received. Because it's only through this book that we can know of the Lord Jesus Christ and his redeeming work at the cross that saves us. It's only through this book that we can know of our Saviour. And so if someone ignores the word of the Lord, if someone is starved of the word of the Lord, they will not embrace the Saviour, which means they will not embrace eternal life, and one day they will be punished for their sins against the Lord. So these are the signs of starvation that I could come up with as I was looking at the comparison between a famine of food and a famine of the word of the Lord. The question is for us this morning, can we see these signs and symptoms in our own lives? Do we rely more and more on self-help and culture around us and our conscience and our habits to avoid the wrong that we know we shouldn't do? Do we care less about sin, do we become apathetic to sin, apathetic about the Lord and about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are old sins getting the better of us more often? Are fresh sins popping up in your life that you've never struggled with before and suddenly you realise, hey, this is new. I never did this before. Do you see that happening? Do we find it increasingly difficult to read and study the Bible? It's hard to digest the word. It's hard to digest preaching of the word. It's hard to read good books about the word. And do we even see ourselves rejecting God's commands all too quickly? Even now as I preach... And you hear from God's word. Are you vomiting back up the instruction that we're receiving this morning to read God's word, to have God's word, to hear God's word? Even now, are you vomiting back up because you can't digest it? You can't hear Amos speaking this morning. And is this because if fresh sins are popping up, if you find that you can't consume God's word, you're apathetic about God's word, You're relying more on other things to help you fight sin. Is that because there's been a famine of God's word in your life? Has God been bringing his worst judgment that he can bring upon you? A disinterest in his word. You may own a copy of God's word. You may not have to stagger from place to place for a copy. We're very blessed in this country that most of us have a copy of God's word, or at least on the internet we can access it fairly quickly. But... Have you got a disinterest in God's word? Has God sent one of his worst judgments upon you that you're actually disinterested in reading his word, in consuming his word? This is the most horrific judgment that we can imagine of God. God has given awful judgments again and again in the book of Amos to the people of Israel, saying that he will send fire, he will send destruction, he will send famines, actual famines. But here is the worst. Why is this so horrific? Because without this book... We cannot live eternally without this book. We cannot fight sin without this book. We cannot know God. It's the worst of all famines. It's the most horrific thing God can do to someone is to take away His Word to give them a disinterestedness disinterestedness in His Word. The worst thing, because they won't fight sin, they won't fight Satan. And ultimately, they will go to hell. Does the Bible really teach that? Yes. In Romans, what does it say? Well, it quotes from the book of Joel and says, All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And what does the Apostle Paul say then? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can you call on the Lord and be saved if you don't believe in him? And how can you believe in him if you haven't heard of him? It's only through this book that we can hear of him. As people proclaim it to us, as people preach from this book to us, we can then hear, then we can believe, and then we can call, and then we can be saved. And so if the preaching of God's word isn't happening, if the administration of God's word isn't being done, and people can't be saved, and it's the most horrific thing. Yes, they may live a terrible. There are many judgments of God, many terrible things that God can do in your life. But the worst thing is, is that you don't have God's word and pass into hell. Now, if you're a Christian and you here this morning, and maybe you're not in a famine of God's word, you don't struggle with God's word. You do administer God's word to yourself each day, uh, as you read it, and you make sure that you hear God's word proclaimed. What should you do? Well, you should give copies away, would be one idea. You should give it to others so that they can be saved. And if you don't have any copies of God's word, see me uh, that you want to give away. Uh, see me and I can give you some. I had someone bring me up this week. He's got a 100,000 copies of John's gospel to give away. He said, would you be interested? I said, I don't think I can take a 100,000 Um but uh, there's this mission organization in the US and they've sent all these uh, Gospels of John and he wants to get them out into the hands of people who will read them. You can give them away on the bus, you can give them away to friends and family that you know. Uh, there are copies of God's Word easily available. I can get them for you. I've got some here. I've got stockpiles of actually uh, Bibles in one of the back rooms here. As churches have uh, gotten rid of their Bibles, upgraded their Bibles, I've said, oh, yes, I'll take your old ones. Thank you very much. And so I've got boxes and boxes here of them at the church. If you want to give copies of God's Word away so that people are not in a famine any longer, see me afterwards and I can get you copies. What else can you do? Well, you can encourage new preachers and missionaries to make sure that people aren't in a famine of God's Word. When you see young people that are keen to become a preacher or a ministry, a missionary, encourage them, spur them on, and become one yourself even. I'd love to pay for all of you to go to Bible college so that you can be trained, so that then you can go out and you can make sure that places where there's a famine of God's word, there's no longer a famine, where you will be proclaiming God's word so that people don't have the serious effects happening to their lives. They come from a starvation of God's word. So you can do that. You can give copies away yourself. You can become a missionary or you can at least encourage others to become missionaries or preachers of God's word. But as a church, what should we do? At Dremoyne Baptist here, what should we be doing? Well, we should be making sure that people hear the word at our church. We must beg God to never do what he promises to do there to the Israelites, to send a famine of God's word. Beg him that he would never do that to us. And we cannot reject his word at this church. We cannot inflict upon ourselves the worst of all judgments that God can promise in his word. We should make sure that we always are seeking to have the word of God proclaimed here. Because there's always temptations to cut down on the word of God at churches. What sort of ways can we cut back on God's word? Well, we can cut down on the sermons. That would be the obvious way. Let's have shorter sermons. Yes, I'm happy to watch 10 plus hours of television a week, but 30 minutes on Sunday for a sermon? That's a bit long. Um, Yeah, I could do with less of hearing God's word on a Sunday, please. It's a temptation that we all face at a church. Bring the sermons down. I'm encouraged to do that by different books that I read, different pastors, different people at other churches. Bring the sermon down, make it shorter. Let's hear less of God's word proclaimed from this pulpit. The other way that we could cut back on the word of God here is that we pray less of the biblical concerns of the Bible and pray more for physical concerns. You see this in some churches. They're just interested in praying about the physical famines that are happening in people's lives rather than the spiritual famines that the word of God encourages us to pray about. And so we have less of the Bible in our prayers. People say, oh... We should be praying for so-and-so, we should be praying for this and that, this situation that's going on overseas, physical problems that are happening, and less, of the, less time for the Bible, please, or we'll cut down on the prayers altogether. we can make sure our songs have less biblical content, less about sin and judgment and suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood language. It's all, it's all a bit too much, please. It's all a bit icky. Let's have nice, upbeat songs that are less biblically grounded. Or at our meetings, when we meet together, could we have less of the Bible at them? Could we make them more social functions and have less biblical content at our gatherings together? It's always a temptation for us to do. And at a Bible study, let's make it more of a book study. Let's, let's read a good book together. A Christian book, of course. Yeah, 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 a Christian book. But not, not the Bible. We've all read the Bible by now. Let's read something fresh, something new. Let's have a book study at our Bible study rather than the Bible study at our Bible studies. There's always temptation to minimise God's word within our church. And so we must make sure at this church that the people God has entrusted to us actually hear the word of God when they come to our meetings, that they hear God's word. That we don't do to ourselves what is promised here to the Israelites, that there's a famine of God's word in this church. No, when people come here, we pray and we make sure that they are saturated with the Bible that they can't help but have the Bible thrust upon them from the beginning of the service to the end of the service. We open with a reading from Scripture, we sing Scripture, we pray Scripture, we hear Scripture read, we hear Scripture expounded, and then we sing Scripture at the end and then we close with Scripture so that no one can walk in and walk out without hearing the Word of God. They may not digest it, yes, but at least we've made sure they hear it. And so what is brought upon Israel there so many years ago, it doesn't happen to them. And so that then means that we see people who are digesting the word of God. We don't know if everybody is digesting it, but we can see the effects of the administration of God's word again and again, week by week. We can see that people have robust immune systems to fight sin, to fight Satan. We can see that people digest scripture in ever-increasing quantities. The more I eat, the more I want to eat, And that should be the case with Scripture. The more we eat of the words of God, the more we should want to eat of the words of God. The Word of God is really like guilt free donuts. I love donuts, but they are guilt laden. But God's Word is just as yummy as donuts, it's just as delicious. It is sweet to the taste. And the more you taste of it, the more you love it and the more you want it. And that's what we should understand and that's what we should do. If you don't like God's word at the moment, just keep reading it, just keep eating it, and you'll start to like it even more and more than ever before. And so as we hear God's word proclaimed more and more, as we see our immune systems built up so that old sins are dealt with and new sins never show their ugly faces in our lives, as we see that we can consume more of God's word, we can actually listen to more preaching. You don't just listen to preaching here on Sundays, you actually listen to some podcasts through the week. And then you find that whenever you're in the car or whenever you have some time to yourself or out for a walk, you're actually listening to preaching because you're able to digest more and more. We should love to see that happening at our church. And we should also then, if we're hearing God's word much more regularly, then we should be rejoicing that we will know the word, that we'll know the Lord Jesus Christ and our God all the more because that's ultimately what this is about yes salvation from hell of course but it's knowledge of God that we contain through this you can't know God apart from this you can know he exists but you generally suppress the truth if you look at creation that's what Romans says general revelation all people do with that is suppress that truth they know of God but then they suppress it it's through this book this book and this book alone that we can actually know God and as we hear his word increasing quantities we can know him better and rejoice in him and we can say to the lord jesus bread of heaven bread of heaven feed me now and evermore feed me now and evermore because we've tasted the lord and we've seen that he is good and we've tasted it in his scripture let's come to him in prayer now let's speak to him heavenly father we praise you with a god who speaks and who has allowed us to hear your voice. Oh, it's such a mercy, O Lord, that you have let us hear your word, whereas so many lands have been cursed by you because of their sin and you've withdrawn your word from them. Oh, Lord, we thank you for proclaiming your word in this place. But, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for often taking your word for granted and neglecting it, for inflicting upon ourselves this awful judgment of a removal of your word, of starving ourselves from your word. O Lord, we pray that you would forgive us and not withdraw your word from us, not make us apathetic to your word, but instead, O Lord, we pray that you would help us to consume Scripture in ever-increasing quantities so that we may enjoy all the benefits it brings, including salvation, including knowledge of yourself and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. O Lord, we beg you now, never take your word from this place until the Lord Jesus returns.